Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Thank you so much for joining us here. My name is Jeff Woodward, pastor here at Metro Church, where you are always welcome, by the way, particularly because next week is Easter, where one of the hugest weekends of the calendar, I guess for Christians right around the world. Here this year, we really feel that Easter is going to be simple, but sacred. It's going to be inspiring and powerful. And we'd love you to join with us. Good Friday evening from 7 p.m. till 8 p.m. And then again on Easter Sunday morning from 9.30, our usual kids ministry will be operating, etc. We'd love to see you at either of those services. And thank you for leaning in for this. This uh, uh, session is what we call My Story where we interview someone out of the life of Metro Church. And we've got such an amazing church with so many incredible people who've done, well, some pretty extraordinary things. I'm excited at this session because my special guest is someone that I think a lot of you are going to go, but I know him. I pretty well know his story. Well, I think you might be surprised. So Pastor Michael Battersby, thank you for joining me for Metro Church. My story, great to have you with Thanks, us. Thanks, Pastor Jeff. Hello, everyone. Enjoy the show. <laughs> you made it sound like this. we're going to find out things about Michael. No one knew on TV. I hope I know those things you're about to be about to talk about. Well, you know, <laughs> there's been a few times on my story where I've had uh, messages back from family going, I didn't know that. Mm. I didn't know that. So let's dive in with you. You were born in, were you born in Katanning? I was, yes, country lad. So that for those of you who are not from WA, give us some idea. How far is that from Perth? Uh, it's about three hours drive. So okay. sort of between Perth and Albany in the heart of the uh, okay. sheep and wheat sort of district down south. And how big's Katani? About five, 6,000 people. So, wow. a, so it's a moderate sized town. Wow. Yeah. And, and your family was on a farm, were they? Your yeah. dad was a farmer? Good farm stock, yeah. So wow. wheat, sheep, and they had, a, had to catch, catch the bus to, to school every day, about 12 miles out of town. Yeah. But it was the greatest way to grow up. We had, you know, 20 dams to swim in, a river to swim in. With, a dam is a gigantic uh, pond for a big the people not from Australia. Yeah, we yeah. had the big tyre tubes and did bombies in the, in the dam and the bombies, river. that's where you jump into it, yeah. <laughs> we had motorbikes doing you're ramps. More, you see, you're more ocker than I thought. I am definitely ocker. Yeah. Uh, I think the, and, and hanging around shearing sheds. and But we had our own tennis courts and table tennis tables and pool tables and you did the chores wow. with the chooks and the sheeps. It was a great way to grow up in Katanning. Wow. And I had to ruin it all and come, come to the city when I was 12. So when you were a boy, tell me, what was your earliest dream for your life? What did you want to be when you were a kid? Okay, when I was a young person, I used to love sport, and I used to love music, and I used to love going to Sunday school. Uh, and those three things haven't changed, except I've, I've, I've traded in Sunday school for, for big church. Uh-huh. But basically, I wanted to be a farmer. And my dad was, uh, so my, my best friend was going to be the truck driver to, to, to get my, my wheat and sheep. Yeah, yeah. I was going to be a part-time phys ed teacher and tennis coach at the local tennis club. You're a pretty good tennis player. I've played with you and against you. You're very good. Well, I'm, I'm okay. I'm no, okay. you're good. My yeah. dream for that certainly didn't, didn't uh-huh. come to pass. And I, and I uh, wanted to be a part-time uh, Sunday school teacher. Oh, so really? that was my, that was my, my dream. When I go, and I sort of got some of it right. Now, a lot of your life, Michael, has been about music and... Yeah. I know from having read some of your thesis that your mum was quite an accomplished musician. Yeah, mum and dad loved music, yeah, wow. and uh, all the cousins were very musical. So okay. whenever there were get-togethers, you know, grandma would say, okay, all the cousins, line up, and we have to also all 
you know, polish up the, uh, the latest song we'd learnt. But mum and dad were very encouraging with music, had music lessons from a, from a very young age uh, with all my brothers and sisters. On the Beale piano. Good old Beale Beal piano. Upright, you did yeah. read my thesis. I did yeah. read it, yeah. So, so were you, was it obvious when you were young that you were going to be a, a, you know, a gifted or, or way better than average musician? Was that obvious? No, I wasn't a prodigy by any okay. means. No, oh. I, I knew I liked music. I loved singing in, uh, in Sunday school and singing at church and I loved dancing around uh, at family dances and I loved learning the little pieces on the piano, but I wasn't outstanding. I was just sort of about average. Right. My other cousins were more classically trained and actually, wow. yeah, actually better, better than I was. So, so you had a piano teacher from what age? About eight, yeah, eight okay. years old, which is probably quite old compared to the little ones that started about four How do you months. go when you're a child? This is a question without notice here. How do you go when you're a child spanning the, you know, the, the keys on a piano there. Uh, yeah, not child-sized pianos. Yeah, I guess uh, we had full-size keys. And so yeah. I guess you just stretch a little bit more and you stay yeah. away from Brahms and uh, Liszt until you're about, you know, 11 or 12 when you're big your hands. Okay. <laughs> so I'm stick with Mozart and Bach. What was the first song you learned to play? Do you oh, remember? blimey. Okay. Um, I think it might have either been... Rattle, rattle, click, dump truck. No, click go the shears. Really? On the old okay. piano, yeah, dun, 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 And then my first classical piece was probably Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Is like, that a classical piece, is it? Well, Mozart did a theme and a variations on, on that, on oh, that melody. Yeah, yeah. Great. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. I'm, mm-hmm. See, I've learned something already. <laughs> there you go. That's, we can go home. Now, let me jump forward enough to say that out of those humble beginnings mm. in Katanning, a little regional WA town and you a little farm boy who just wants to grow up to be a farmer. Yeah. You just recently, as in last year, I think, uh, you achieved the wonderful distinction of being awarded the Doctorate of Musical Arts from Mm. the Conservatorium of Music, which is a huge achievement. I mean, how many people would there be in any given year that would achieve that distinction? Well, I was the only one uh, right. for, for, in my cohort uh, for that year. But, uh, right. yeah, probably, there's probably a couple uh, in the state each year that do that. So it's, it's a bit of a pointy end. Right. I guess people, some people go into research. Mine was a performance-based doctorate. So there was a thesis and then there's also recitals as well. Now, your thesis runs to, if my memory is right, 283 pages. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, yeah. that's a lot. of How many words is that? Uh, it's a 45,000 Word thesis. And the whole idea of a thesis, for those who don't know it, is that you are meant, uh, it's not just a matter of sitting down and writing something, you've got to add new knowledge, really, or it's got to be research-based and you've got to be adding to the established body of work. Yeah. And before you even get to write your thesis, there's a group of advisors Mm -hmm. that help you lay it all out. Then there's assessors. I happen to know that one of your problems was finding enough experts in your field <laughs> to be able to give the required assessment. Is that right? Yeah, it was an interesting topic. My topic was uh, about psychology, about psychological needs. Let me read it. This yes, is the title, folks. Making sense of performance behaviours, how can self-determination theory be employed to explore the underlying motivations throughout a musician's life journey? Hmm. It's a long title. What does it mean? Basically, um, I wanted to explore why I play the way I play, the styles I play, the technique that I play, the types of, I guess, the repertoire that I use, the type of audiences I like to play for, what 
drives those different performance practices. It's not wow. just family of origin or peer influence. It's not just uh, intellectual ability or muscular mm. capacity. There's a whole lot of emotional and values-based and, I guess, self, uh, self-awareness, psychological factors that are being, uh, needs that are being met by playing music that actually make mm. me feel like I can be me because I'm playing the music the way I want to. So it's actually wow. a real self-discovery uh, thesis. So Let me just give you our profound congratulations because it's an incredible achievement. Was what seven or eight years just mm. for the doctorate yeah. uh, part of that, <laughs> and I know the difficulties somewhat that you had. I went to the performance, uh, yeah. that was fun. Uh, which was so exciting, and I was so proud of you because I feel like as your friend, I, I'm going. I know that yeah, that's guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm with him. I only invited my friends to that because <laughs> I couldn't fit everyone in, but it was a, it was a great recital. The fun part of that was to be out at the University of Western Australia. Part of my doctorate was obviously talking about the music and how it equates to my life. And a big part of my musical life was centered around worship and, and faith songs and hymns. So I was able to finish the night, the, you know, the culmination, the zenith of my performance was actually getting everyone to stand up, all these professors and yeah. academics and sing yeah. how great they are together with, with people of faith yeah, and pastors. Yeah. So that was a wonderful moment, yeah. Oh, look, I thought it was all so incredibly special and well done to you for all the hard work of that because there's the undergrad, (laughs) then there's the masters, then there's the doctorate uh, and many, many hours of work of the whole thing. One of the things that so moved me about your thesis that I read most of was how open you were about your faith and Mm. how much you... I haven't read, we're used to a pop culture yeah. where it's about me, 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 you've got to promote me, 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 and you write a thesis that actually takes a completely different viewpoint away from, aren't I amazing, it's my gift, it's my talent, look what I've done, and you've actually moved it more into the space of going, I, got, I received this. Mm, wow. And the motivation that you bring out in this is one of going, I have a creator I want to please. That's what comes across to me. When wow. I'm well, glory to God for that. Um, I guess uh, part of the process of doing an autoethnography, which is basically a story about your own life mm. and in, in a particular culture or pursuit of life. And for me, it was my story in music. Yeah. Um, was God is such a big part of my life. I couldn't keep him out of it. It's, mm. it's like uh, he's, the, he's the giver of the gift and um, a big reason as to why I pursued music and obviously running the team here, being part of the, the worship here, it's like our gifts are, are given to us uh, to help glorify God and also to connect people with Him. So, yeah, a lot of the chapters of the book were about that. How do we connect uh, people in the natural realm with God in the spirit realm? Well, God uses music and worship for yeah, that space. So what a privilege true. it was to do that. Huge part. I mean, some of the things in there that I didn't know were some of the incredibly famous musicians that you worked with. You talk about... Hmm. I think it was back in Tina Arena at one point for, yeah, uh, yeah. and then I didn't know about some of the major music promoters in Australia who came to you and really said, we're going to make you the next. Um, yeah, yeah, next sort of pop star, piano yeah, player. Yeah. yeah, it was interesting. Um, you were talking in the, in the other interview about, you know, growth and part of us, part of Lynn and my, our, our life, we want to be effective for God, but you can't choose to be more famous for God. You've got to just follow the call of God and let Him shine so whatever light. how did you, though, in a world where, you know, at the end of every performance, 
applause. You get this and then they're paying you for it and you've played in some of the best places and some, uh, to some of the most well-known people have been in your audience. Yeah. And how did you avoid the trap of pride? You know, if there's one... Her name's Linda. <laughs> it's called a wife. <laughs> um, that's a great, it's a great question because music or anything that's artistic or causes you to, I guess, uh, be in a situation where people would applaud you or, mm. or, or esteem you highly... It's yeah, how do you give glory back to God without going, oh, no, it wasn't me. It was all the Lord. It was like, well, it looked mm. like you. It looked yeah, like yeah. you on the piano. Mm. Um, for me, the performance um, space and the performance paradigm involves an audience and a performer. And it's very appropriate. There's a, there's a stagecraft oh, to actually honour the audience by showing you know, uh, yep. gratitude for their salutation, mm. for their appreciation. So that to me, that's actually just part of the, the, the theatre craft. But for, in my heart, I'm always thinking, God, this is not about me. This is, you know, may, may people see you through this because I realise how hollow and shallow I am and I'm, I praise God that I didn't become a pop star because I've not met, and not that, by, by the way, if you're a pop star watching this, uh, that's not an evil thing. It's a wonderful thing to have a gift like that, but to have so much attention and focus continually poured upon you, I actually don't think it's a natural thing. I think I praise God that I'm, I'm able to, Use my gifts in a way that yeah, you know, make inspire people. <laughs> but then I just go back and go. I am just a normal person. Hey, come on, now we're also going to talk. Because, you know, I said I wouldn't do this, but in your thesis, you talk about a performance. Was it at the Perth Concert Hall? Uh, which performance you talking the about? The one where, unfortunately, you had a <laughs> wardrobe malfunction. Oh, okay, that one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So a uh, big musical called Nehemiah at the Entertainment Centre when oh, before wow. it got knocked down, the Entertainment Centre. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yes. That was a very humbling moment. You want me to share that with everyone, do you? Well, I'm not sure how much was you. Let, let, let's just say there, there, was there, was no, yeah. there was no obscenity of any kind or anything no. lewd, but it was just <laughs> that you felt most uncomfortable. Uh, it was an awkward moment there, but uh, there was the other moment, which I'm not sure if I mentioned in my story, but I actually forgot the words. I got <laughs> in front of 8,000 people, I'm singing a solo, and totally got out of whack with the backing track and lost the words. I'm literally singing, Oh God, oh God, oh God. People are thinking, oh, I'm singing. I'm, I'm literally going, oh God, oh God. So yeah. That's so good. Which I'm so glad I did a, de a degree in jazz performance because you, you learn how to just wiggle your way out of that. So that was a very humbling moment, yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> it just seems to me, Michael, when I read your autoethnography, your life story in there, that there's a great sense of God having kept you. Absolutely. The grace of God. Grace of God. It's so yes. underestimated and underappreciated, in my opinion, yeah. that for everybody, people tend to look at, you know, any leader or any successful person and ascribe it to their effort, to their, which is all good. I'm not taking anything away from all the diligence. I started with yeah. all the hard work you've done. But there is that element, isn't there, in your life of going, God, I, I practised, I worked. Yes. I did all the things that a person should do and you walked through some failures, mm. uh, et cetera, as well. And yet there's this, it comes across in your thesis of going, you know, I know the reason why I'm where I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely aware of my weaknesses. I think I'm quite happy to... Uh, you know, expose them in the, in, in the doctorate because it's about it's a, what they call confessional tales where you're actually telling your story from a very 
know, exposed, transparent place, but from that, drawing meaning and finding a sense of meaning through it. And for me, it was actually absolutely about the grace of God, not about, mm, I found my resilience and I, I picked myself up by my bootstraps and I made something of myself. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not a self-made man. I'm a, I'm a God-graced man. And, um, and one great example of that, you'd appreciate this, Jeff, was one Hillsong conference. I had the pleasure of um, being able to be involved in, being involved in the Hillsong uh, conference, helping organising that. And uh, I, was, I was doing one of the sessions and I was sitting on the front row. I was able to sit in the front row of a big session and then all great, all the big guests came out onto the, onto the platform, Alvin Slaughter and Ron Canoli and, and Dali and all the crew and they're there. And there wasn't enough seats in the front row for the, the guests of the, um, of the main guests. And so they came to all, the, all us Aussies in the front row and they said, come, Usher said, come on, guys, you need to make seats. And I said, oh, I think they saved these seats for us. And he goes, no, no, no we, need, we need, to, we need <laughs> you to move. We've got some special guests from overseas. And so they kicked us out and there, and there was no more seats. So I was on the, you know, on the front row uh, at this big music conference and then I had to go, there was no seats. I had to sit underneath the sound desk about 300 <laughs> metres at the back. So I'm sitting on the sound desk looking on some little monitor to see what was going on. I thought, I, I actually didn't care. I thought, oh, it doesn't matter, no, I'm going to sit right. down here. And I go backstage to the green room. I'm there talking with Darlene and, uh, and Darlene goes, where, where did you go to? I said, oh, it's okay. We sat in the back. She goes, well, Mike, I want to talk to you because, Mike, I want you to be on, this, on the panel for this next session. So the next session, I walk out and sit on the couch with Ron Canoli, Alvin wow. Slaughter and another guy. So I wow. went from the back, under the, the back row underneath the sound desk to on the stage. I thought, I thought, hmm, well played, God, well played. God is a lot better at promoting and positioning you than you could ever be for myself. So I just take my hands off and say, Lord, wherever you want me to be, use Mm. me. I'll never forget a statement you made once. You didn't make it to me. You made it to a group of leaders. Uh, But it stayed with me for many years now. You said, I'd rather be second mate on an ocean liner than captain of a dinghy. (laughs) And I've always thought, Michael, that your ability to take on uh, you know, Luke's gospel talks about the three places where God will test you. Mm. The things that Patience. are small, the, mm. in the area of money, yep. and in that which is another's. Right. And I find it staggering, really, that God says that one of the areas that we'll get tested on is, can we be faithful in something that we are caretakers mm. of? Mm. And we all are to some degree. We're yes. Every single one of us, no matter who we are, we don't own the vision. It's not ours to put down or to pick up when we feel like it. Mm, you know, the yeah. call of God isn't mine to go, well, you know what? Uh, today I feel like being called <laughs> and so I'll respond to it and tomorrow I don't. And mm. I think that's the difference between the shepherd's heart and the hireling's heart. Right. You know, yeah, and very good. by that mark, it seems to me that you have, as you've just told us in that example, you've passed that test and been willing to, Carrie, I know for me here and for Rhonda, uh, you and Linda's uh, input all the way through all the different seasons of your life. Mm. When you were not on staff, then uh, you were both on staff and now you're not on staff but still here. And I just think what a remarkable testimony Mm. you both have of being humble and being willing to let God shape you into a different season. I think that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. No. It's easy when you have uh, a gracious leader. You know? <laughs> well, I just think you've done incredibly well. But I don't think I've finished. I don't think I've finished. By, maybe I've passed that test, but I think that the tests continue. I'm sure. Like, I've, like even at my role at school, it's, you can't think, oh, they're lucky to have me because then God says, okay, but I want you to then carry this, which is actually out of your comfort zone. I go, well, hang on, God, I've, I've done enough of that. I've paid my dues. God says, aren't you really ready to trust me with something new? 
and and so that humility test, you just yeah, keep going, wow. okay, Lord, so I'll, good. I'll say yes. That is so good. <laughs> I want to ask you about that because you've referred to what you're doing now where you are the music director and worship pastor at King's uh, uh, College. Yeah. College. And you're also the director of the Worship Academy there as well, which is just brilliant for the body of Christ. We might get to that one a little bit later. But I wanted, most of us don't live in church platforms. No, no. Most of us have got jobs, we've got careers, we've got things that we are called into that space. Yeah. I heard only recently the story about you at school, in a Christian school, but feeling prompted by the Holy Spirit to invite kids and whatever grade it was, I'll let you tell the story, mm. uh, to respond to Christ. I just thought, you know, mm. that's your job, that's yeah. your workplace, and yet God spoke to your heart and you did something extraordinary. Yeah, thanks for the privilege of sharing that because I think um, if, you, if you want to find an excuse, you will find one. A lot of people think, oh, my job's not a spiritual job or my company won't allow that sort of you know, proselytising or yep. sharing of faith. And I think, okay, if you want, you want to look for an obstacle, you'll, you'll find one. One of your greatest messages in the early years, Jeff, was whatever you look for, you'll find. Yeah, sure. So I don't, I just, and Linda's the same. Uh, we just look for opportunities. Say, God, would you make a way for us to be able to be a, a blessing to people, to, to speak of you, to connect people with you? Obviously, my job in, in music and worship, um, you could think that would be a natural thing. But I know a lot of Christian schools, and it's, it's, a, it's an incredible privilege I have to do this because I, I think um, it's God's opened that door. But a lot of Christian schools, they would have a music director, Christian music directors, yet they're not allowed to actually do like worship. And they might have a worship wow. service once a year. And I'm thinking, well, every week, let's have that. Let's have a chapel wow. every week. Let's have the kids lead the worship. Let's do altar calls. I'm just thinking that's, to me, that's normal. So I think it's about what you, um, you know, the, the gift abides and the anointing abides. So whatever you say, God, would you open a, up a door for this? Would you make opportunity for this? God's real good at making opportunities where man says, no way. God goes, yeah, there is a way. And as I said, uh, today, kids were, were, were praying for each other. In fact, uh, yesterday afternoon, we had a guest speaker come. Um, it was a very humbling moment because it was not what I expected. I had a guest speaker come and talk to our worship team and they're actually going through a bit of a crisis of faith. I thought, oh, this is good. This is good. They're sharing their <laughs> doubts and fears with kids. Oh, wow. but, I, but I learned the kids are very resilient. They'd rather hear someone that's authentic than someone's like telling them again what the truth is. And so this mm. person was sharing about how they, they love God. They're a great worship leader and that, but they're just going through a hard time. And, and at the end of that, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, how are you going to use this? And I, I saw two little kids in the front row, two year sevens. And I thought, I really feel like God's going to use them. They're, just, they're, they're lovely kids. I don't know much about them other than the fact that I feel like they, they've, they've got to walk with God. I asked these two kids, would you, would you come with me and would you pray for this, this adult person? They don't know them from a bar of soap. And these two little kids prayed for this adult person and they both had words of knowledge for wow. this person, prophesied over them and said, God's going to use your voice again. God's going to cause you to dig deep. God wants you to know he's your friend. God loves you. I don't know about the other people around, but I was bawling my eyes out as these kids were praying amazing. for something. I'm thinking God uh, opened that door for me to be at that school and he used the job of music director to open up this door for him to move. And so don't ever put limits on what God can use, how God can use I love you. that. I love the fact that you haven't divided up the secular and the spiritual no. and gone, okay, this is where I worship God. What I do out there is just my job. No. Because no. I know also that you have been in some of the top venues around Perth and other parts of Australia where the audience was entirely secular in that sense. They, it wasn't a place where they'd expect <laughs> to hear the gospel. Yet I know there's been times when people have come to you and 
And oh, absolutely. Oh, I've been in the casino uh, play, playing away. Yeah, you better get that part, the rest of the part in there. I've been to the casino. So, yeah, performing, <laughs> performing in all the, in all the five-star lounges. And I'll see people that have, have either walked away from church or backslidden Christians in wow. there and they see me and better have conversations. And also really wealthy people they've got to know. And then I'm like their, their go-to sort of Christian guy to talk to. Wow. I've done people's funerals and weddings really? because of these connections. So I think wow. God, and, and, and I, at first I used to think it's because oh, I'm a man of the cloth. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, pastors, like, oh, yeah, the pastor. I thought, Lord, let it not be about the title. Let it be because they, they see Jesus or some, some sense of hope in, in, in my life because of what God's done. And I think that's what it is. The pastor makes it a bit sort of, you know, nicer to sort of frame. But oh, for some people, that's a turn off as much as it is an right. invitation. Authority. And, well, for some people, they just, you know, had a bad experience with church growing up or something. Yeah, so yeah. it's not always an advantage, <laughs> trust me. But um, I, I just think you've allowed God to shape lots of different seasons in your life. And when mm. I read the stories of people in the Bible, guys like Joseph or Daniel mm. or anybody really that you want to name, the Abraham. disciples who go from being fishermen to being fishers of men. And part of that whole story is saying, God, you're actually in charge of my life. Mm. I, I mm. still you know, yeah. want to let everyone know you've come from a fairly small country town where I don't think there's too many famous people come out of Katanning. <laughs> and now you sit pretty well towards the top of the academic tree in your special field of jazz musicianship. There aren't that many people with a doctorate in your area. And I just think what a wonderful testimony it is mm. that you've allowed God to take you into all these different spaces. It's been, mm. That's quite a journey. Well, do you actually know why I did the doctorate? If you no, ever asked me no, that, I was going to ask you. Oh, ask me that. Why did you do the doctorate? Yeah, what, we say, why would someone do a doctorate at why the age would you of? Do a doctorate? Well, how old was I when I started? I was about forty. I think about forty-eight <laughs> when I started, and fifty-four. Still youngish, but um, actually, literally uh, went to bed uh, one night, like I do many nights. Actually, I go to bed, <laughs> um, and I had this dream about just just feel like I should go and explore different things about performing. In fact, you know, and one day, Dr. Michael, whatever, Dr. MB, I just woke up with a sense of I'm going to be a doctor. Wow. And that was like in my head. And I didn't, didn't tell Linda. Linda woke up the next morning and on the way down to, um, I think it was down to school, uh, or that, well, maybe it was to church at the, at the time. And it was, um, she said, you know what? You should really do a doctorate on that. I think you should you should go back to study do a doctor on that. Wow. On one concept of understanding why music leads people's lives in a way in the spirit realm, but also in the soul realm. Yeah. How do we do work out what's spirit, what's soul? That's a whole sort of thing. Yeah, I thought I couldn't problem. believe. It. I thought I've actually just thought about that. I thought about what how how powerful is music in directing and informing our life, our decisions, our values. And I actually said I guess you had the same dream. I, I felt like you know what I'm going to bring up someone, and I rang up uh, a couple of different institutions, and it turned out that three minutes away was the only other person that has done a doctor, uh, like a PhD in uh, social psychology. In fact, is the, uh, the foremost, uh, you know, the, the leading educator and writer in the field of performance psychology. I was working, just been transferred to Curtin University, three minutes wow. from my house. So wow. I walk in and he goes, oh, I'd like to work with you. Bang, just in the, in the door like that, like just God set that up. Amazing. And I finished it through UWA. But it's literally just saying, God, I want to be obedient. I don't care about being... Uh, perfect, but I do want to be obedient. I don't care about being famous, but I do want to be obedient. And so he said, do it. And I've done it. And that's why I didn't quit. I wanted to quit so many times wow. 
because of different, you know, different reasons of just feeling like I'm never going to get to the end of this, a few rejections, a few you know, feeling intimidated, feeling like... It's know, quite a rigorous process, which again, if you, haven't, if you haven't done it, it's not a... No one's, there's not a lot of patting you on the back and you're amazing. It's quite rigorous. No, mm. that's not acceptable. No, we need more than that, isn't Correct. it? Correct, yeah. One, one examiner wanted to fail me, actually. Wow. And I had to sort of basically address a whole lot of things and actually ta- taught me actually to, to hold on to God, say, Lord, if you call me to do this, wow. you're going to get me over the finishing line. All I need to do is not quit. If I don't quit, I can't fail. Let me ask you uh, as a bit of a segue from that because you were part of Metro Church doing 13, 16 albums, is it? Uh, yes, yeah, 16 or 17 albums, 13 worship ones and then a few of the jazz ones as well. Yeah. So all those original songs, mostly in those there, where does your wellspring of creativity come from? Uh, I'd like to be able to say that it just oozes out, you know, people think songwriters and artistic people, it just oozes out of them. Mm. I think there's an element of a creative uh, propensity or a creative uh, intelligence, like Howard, yeah. Howard Gardner talks about multiple intelligences. Some people are great with their hands. Some mm. people are great with spatial reasoning. Some people are great with, with mathematics or memory. Uh, and some people have a musical intelligence. I think like, there's a musical intelligence and that enables me to pick up musical concepts quickly and express them quickly and adjust them and tweak them. And so I, th- I think I had that going for me, but I actually very much need structures to fit them in. So a lot of the songs actually came out of, I thought, our church needs a good altar call song. Our church needs some, some more up-tempo song. Our church, Jeff feels like, I think for this, be, this teaching series, it'd be great to have something that can launch that prophetic word that we had. So I'd write a song like Set Your Sails or, you know, God, Our God is Able. So I'd write a song to frame something. And then I'd think, Every, every year we do an album, I think, oh, let's do a conference. As you said, in fact, you're the guy, that, you're the one that said, you might not start a worship summit. You said, we should do a conference. So we started the conference. So I thought we need an album for every conference. And so there was a framework for me to push my creativity, to, to hang my creativity on. So I think a lot of people are creative, but this, it's like, oh, I've got these ideas and I've got these sort of demo tapes. And I've got these you know, uh, notebooks with poems in it. But if you don't have a vehicle or a goal to which to, to put it on, it'll just be all this unfinished imperfection. Mm-hmm. You actually have something to so so to, to, to land on somewhere your creativity to land. So for me, having a yearly album project, having people in our team that we wanted to be able to celebrate and do an album and then launch and say, look at what our church did together to bless the body. That was a really important thing. So my wellspring actually came comes from my own walk with God and, and worshiping, but the actual framework came from our church having a purpose bigger than itself to do albums. Is, am I right in saying that what you're trying to get across to us here is that there's the creativity, which is the seed of the idea, yep. but then there's a lot of work. The discipline of it, yeah. And you, isn't it true? Yeah. A lot of people think creativity is like a gift that falls out and no, heaven no. on you. If you uh, knew how many different multiple takes when you listen to famous, I won't say what church, because they might say, we don't. Um, <laughs> I know they do. They do overdubs and retakes and re-engineer and da 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 it takes a lot to see what you see on YouTube to make to make that work like that. Yeah, and no. I think we love the organic and the free, but a lot of it actually does take a lot of hard work. But I, but the core idea of a, of a great song or a great word or a beautiful artistic idea, mm. that seed thought from God is definitely something which is you know lands on a heart that's it's open and receptive. And for me, that's space on the piano. I'm just worshiping God on the piano, and the temptation to always have that tape recorder to. Ooh. Yeah. And sometimes I turn the tape recorder on. 
and the idea just goes. It's like, okay, Lord, yeah, you right. wanted this one just to be for you, not for me to. to, to but he's got it. an abundance, it has oh, not. Oh, yeah, it's limitless. Yeah, of it, course. It's like, you know, <laughs> I, I remember once, I think back in the days when you had a Blackberry mm. and you dropped it and whatever happened to all the memory disappeared. It was a Sony P100 recorder. Was it? And. I lost a hundred songs. A hundred songs. Lost a hundred song ideas from one corrupt file. It was a bad. It was a bad Hillsong conference. That that was. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I think there's such an abundance. It's not like God goes, look, you know, I had a shout to the Lord. That's it. You, you, you know what I mean? I had a song called "Shout at the Lord." <laughs> I, can, I can believe that. I think we could all relate to that one, pretty uh, importantly. How imagine though that if you're not Michael Battersby with perfect pitch, uh, relative pitch, relative good pitch, relative. Okay, pitch. yeah, okay. We won't give you perfect pitch, <laughs> but but it's pretty close. Yeah, it's I do remember. This is one of the standout memories of my life. Mm-hmm. Is <clears throat> one Sunday in the morning service, I think it was. I said, Michael, I feel like we should sing "We Will Rock You" and "Where Do I Begin." I'd like you to play them both, <laughs> and you stopped and you said. Give me a minute. At the same time. And then right, you yeah. played one with your left hand and one with your right hand. I've told professional music <laughs> friends of mine that story and they just shake their head and go, that is crazy. Yeah, don't try that at home. <laughs> it it's pretty your amazing head stuff. But imagine that you're not the Michael Basby with all this talent and you're someone who's a part of this, uh, my story, mm. and they don't really get into worship because they don't think they're a good singer. Oh, okay, yeah, right. Or they're well, that. Mm. What advice do you say to someone there? Oh, okay. It's it's interesting. Um, I think I'd, I'd put it back on every aspect of life which has a, a high um, a high echelon of expression, if you like. For example, you're a preacher. You're a very good preacher, but we're all called to preach the good news. Mm. There are people who are, are wonderful givers, wonderful leaders of, mm. of you know, philanthropy and kingdom building with their resource. Incredible. They just, you know, we know people in our church. It's just incredible. Um, but God doesn't say, well, he only wants money from rich people, only wants that's great sermons point. from... That's a very so God doesn't look for worship from great, great musicians analogy. and singers. He's yeah. just looking for the song of our heart. Musicians are called to help facilitate that, undergird that, so it's more tolerable for the human ears. I love it because your thesis is on the underlying motivations. Correct, yes. And really part of the answer for all of us is to, like I'm definitely nowhere near even close to your your upper echelons there, that's for sure. But it's God is not looking for, no. No. you know, a high degree of, of talent necessarily. He's looking for the heart, the underlying motivation is what your Correct. thesis is on, yeah. I can, what's great about that is the fact that I can actually hear you on the live, when I'm at home <laughs> watching uh, church online, the live stream, because Jeff's in the front row and the ambient, I think we have, must have ambient mics or something. I can hear you singing from the front row, even though you haven't got a microphone up here. I, and I love that. I think that's what, all pastors should be doing is leading the worship from the front row. But you do actually have a nice voice as well. Yeah, well, you do. thank you. But I look back to all the things, Michael, that you've done and that you've been such a part of, things like cappuccino cafes. <laughs> Someone was talking to me about them only recently That's, going, That was classic. I know, they were, they were crazy. There you look back and go, well, Worship was, Summit was ridiculous. We brought out some of the biggest names in the Christian world. And I'm when like, the Australian dollar was uh, 40, 45 cents to the American, uh, 45 yeah, cents yeah. American. No, which we def- definitely tried things. I think, Jeff, uh, we're so, I think when Linda t- was talking about hunger, 
the hunger we have for God, I think we, the hunger we have to hang around Metro is the fact that we're always excited about what's going to, what, what God's yeah, going to do right. next. And you're always willing to try new things. We were doing Cappuccino Cafe when coffee was not even popular. I think we had the coffee. Like there was no coffee, there was no baristas. We had to sort of hire in special machines. That there was no special. Yeah, you're so right, we were, yeah. we're having I church at a coffee shop. It was so, it was so cool. And, 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 and big conferences like that were like a bit of a dangerous thing for churches because if it, if it goes bad, uh, it doesn't make a church look so good. It also takes out your volunteers for half the year and costs tens of thousands of dollars. So yeah, I thank I God for the faith of someone to try great new But things even like things, Michael, like I, I, I'm not sure if it was you or Linda who prophesied that the sound of this house will go out into the street. That was back in Godwood Street, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, yeah, no I remember so, that. Um, someone did. And someone the came in number the- of people over the years that have been walking past uh, or, you know, got off the bus stop or something rather, heard the music, yeah, heard yeah. the worship and were yeah. drawn in. Uh, has been remarkable. It's actually uh, Frank Holkren, um, the late wonderful mm-hmm. Frank Holkren pastor, wonderful prophetic gift. He prophesied over Linda and I when we uh, were wow. Bible college. And he said that very thing. He said, um, don't fashion your music. Don't try and copy what's on the radio. Don't try and fashion it after what pleases man. Just let you join in with the angel visitation, wow. join in wow. with that angel singing. And I see, and he, and he started to describe seeing someone go to wow. commit suicide. And he said, dear Lord, don't let him do it. Oh God, he's going to kill himself. But no, then he hears the song, then he hears the music. And that's literally what happened at Godrick Street. There was the, our band, our, our, our mm. wonderful church band, playing, I think it's in the sound check, really loud. And someone down at the, uh, wow. at the East Perth um, train station was going to kill himself. They heard the music, came wow. in and got saved in the back of Godwood Street. So it, Oh, yeah, look, I remember worked. there was a house of ill repute not far from our church and, uh, <laughs> and, and one person came in. I didn't know who they were, what they were doing. And they said to me, we hear you every Sunday. Wow. And what they meant was that we heard the church and we hear the singing and it stops us wow. where we are. Wow. And this person said, there's a couple of us and we talk about it. We felt oh. compelled. Uh, this person said, I felt compelled to come to church. Incredible. Uh, and there's been those kind of things. And uh, I mean, music is not uh, an entertainment space for God. It's the no. sound of heaven, which yeah. I think is something you've mentioned a lot of times. The sound of heaven going out upon the earth. Yeah. Psalms talks about, encompass me about with songs of deliverance. Mm. You know, that the angels are the heavenly choir, etc. Mm. And so I believe that what Special. we do here in a service, you know, it, it's never the entree to the main course. No. It no. is one of the pivotal, most important things that we do as believers is that we gather to worship. Yeah. And that we come together and we blend our voices together. I Absolutely. love the fact that we get via online because this uh, session of my story is online mm. and I love that. But I do know too, so many people have spoken to me and said when they were not able to come and then they were able to come back and they mm. go, this is what I missed. It yeah. wasn't the information or that or even the fellowship. It was the gathering of the body together that was so important for it, them. There's definitely, there's a collective uh, anointing, cl- collective oh, atmosphere, collective faith. Absolutely. I don't exactly know how to explain it, except it says, you know, when two or three are gathered in my name. You wrote the thesis. So. Well, there's, there's the, yeah, that's, no, that's, I think there's the next thesis is understanding there is, a, there is that human soul realm of feeling atmosphere and feeling excited by it. Oh, yeah. I think people feel that at the cricket. I'm pretty sure that's not God. But I think there is something about what God has put out is wide in us to come together. And that is not an evil thing. That is a good thing. 
But there's also that extra dimension of when we bring our hearts together seeking God, God absolutely oh, yeah. inhabits yeah. the praise and there are spiritual that's, things that's that will happen right that will not happen at the football. Yeah, exactly. Because we're lifting up God with this one, when Sponsian Chronicles talks about lifting up when they were heard praising and singing God in one voice, mm-hmm. the cloud filled the temple. And I think there was a sense of you, you can, uh, that translates into our online, it fills the lounge room, but there is something special about the house of God. Mm-hmm. I absolutely believe that. Mind you, I think almost every week I'll get a comment from somebody on, online uh, as we did last Sunday, saying the presence of God in our home. These mm. were people that were in ISO because of COVID yeah. and saying the presence of God is so thick was their expression in our home right now. Oh, that's great to hear. And I, I love that. <laughs> I love that, you know, all the issues of the world, all the problems that are going on, they don't prevent God at work. Well, I think that shows you that uh, singing and worshipping God is a, is a spiritual uh, activity. Mm. It's not. A, it's not just. A, it, there's something about the release of our mm. physical body. Music does mm. a, a transcends all three triune parts of our existence. Our physical body with vibrations. We are. We are body. Mm-hmm. We vibrate at different frequencies. We are a soul. We connect with our emotions yeah. and our relationships. But we are spirit. And so when we're singing in the spirit, when we're singing to God, um, there is no distance in the spirit. So if you're singing a song. To God, you're declaring, even right now, I, just, I thank you, God, as, as I declare over people's homes right now, there is no distance in the spirit. They feel your presence because mm. where you are lifted up, mm. God, you will draw all men to you. So, Father, as we honour you and, and, and absolutely acknowledge you tonight, you are drawing people into your, into your heart, into your presence. And that's what we do when we worship you, Lord. Mm. Thank you for that. Yeah, no distance in the spirit. You taught me that. Mm. Good stuff. Wow. I, I'm just... <laughs> thrilled with, you know, the way you've allowed God to shape you, Michael, because I think that that's ultimately the most we can hope to hear mm. is that well done, good and faithful servant. Mm. You know, it's not well done, good and famous. It's well yeah. done, good and faithful. Yeah. And uh, congratulations <laughs> on your thesis. Congratulations you. on your earned doctorate. <laughs> uh, not an honorary you one. That. You love that. You love that. Blood, sweat and tears. Yeah, and I, love, I do and I admire you for it because I think uh, God wants to use you and Linda uh, even more. You know, your best days aren't the ones behind you. We can talk about cappuccino cafes or worship summits or worship academy or mm. the 16 albums. But I always think God always saves the best. Yeah, to, absolutely. In the future. So I'm yeah. excited about that yeah. for you guys. We need more dreams than we have memories. Is, is Absolutely, yeah, totally. So we keep going. I'll, keep, I'll try and keep up with you, Jeff. That's my, my goal, 120, I figure 110, because you remember, you've got to do my funeral. You do very good sure. funerals. Oh, thank you for that. I appreciate <laughs> it. I look forward to that, maybe. <laughs> Can we get you, Michael? Uh, we need to wrap this up, but thank you for your time and thank you again. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, not just for your talent, you know, uh, church, Ministry is not a gig spot. This is not no. a place where we just want to celebrate the talent as much as we appreciate and do applaud it here. Uh, but more than that, God honors faithfulness. Mm. And so thank you mm. for being faithful over many, many years, over your whole life, really. Uh, being faithful to the call of God. Thank you for persevering through the disappointments and the difficulties, mm. both, you know, when you were younger and more recent times. So well done to you both for that. Can I ask you to pray, Mm. uh, if you would, for, again, I just always feel like, you know, you found your sweet spot. 
you've found your niche. You've found, not in all the detail, because none of us get that before no, we get no. to heaven, but you've found your, you're in your groove, really, hey? And I think there's a lot of people a part of this service of my story who are going, I wish I had knew mm. why I was here mm. like he does. Yeah, yeah. So maybe you could pray for them yeah, that God will help them to find it. Huh? Absolutely. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, let's pray. Father, thank you for all these wonderful people that are, are listening to this session tonight. And I thank you, God, that you never make mistakes. You are perfect. Mm. And so that means when you made us, you had an intention, Father, mm. not just for us to, to occupy or to, to wait until you come and to somehow one day do something with us. Lord, you want every day to count. This is the day that the Lord has made. So every Amen. day we get to do something Amen. with you. So Father, we partner right. with you. And I, I pray right now for just a real boldness in people yes, who've, who've said in the past, I'm not good enough. They've said in the past, I'm still waiting for my special moment, that they would seize today. Lord, give us today our daily bread. Lord, whatever's put in their hand today, whether it's doing the dishes at home or going to school to study or you know, just trying to witness to their neighbour or, or waiting mm. for that contract to come through or waiting for that, that ministry opportunity mm. to come through. Lord, there is no waiting you. There is only waiting on you. So Father, today as they wait on you, that there is no wow. wasted time that you're going to use yeah, today for them to be effective. Lord, they don't put their future, they don't put their success in the future. They don't perpetuate that, that, uh, that, that, uh, that waiting and that procrastination. Today is a great day for them, Father. And as they do that, you will start to lead them. I thank you, mm. Father, for leading people into the area of, of their, their, their calling. Father, as they start to put their hand to the plough, they won't look back, they won't look around. They'll only look forward and look up to you, Father. And I just thank you, Lord, for fulfillment of dreams as some of the testimonies are going to come out as people started to, to say yes to you, Lord. All I did with this doctorate, Lord, is I said yes. You said do it, I said yes. Lord, thank you for that bold yes. Mm -hmm. Speak to people tonight, Lord, as they ask you, Lord, what would you have me do? As they ask that question, I thank you, Lord, that you would speak clearly and, and decisively to them and they would just trust you, God, and say, yes, Lord, and you would lead them on an exciting journey towards that and uh, we just celebrate all the great things we get to do together in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You know, some of you that are part of the service may feel a bit like I'm a long way from God. There's a big gap between me and God and He's out there somewhere, but I just don't know how to contact Him or how to reach Him. Well, the good news is that God's already done the reaching. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave. It didn't start with us. Uh, religion is man's attempt to, I guess, be able to understand God. But the gospel is not that at all. The gospel is God reaching to us. And so if you would like to invite Jesus to become the Lord of your life, if you'd like to know Him and walk with Him, then it's as simple as Michael's just said, as saying yes to Christ. For you right now up there on the screen, there's a phone number, 0488 If you're in Australia, why don't you text yes? Just that simple why, yes, through to that number. Or go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Or of course, if you're with us on metrochurch.online, the yes tab is there. What will that do? When you give us your yes, the very next day, we will send you a Bible verse and a prayer. They're different each day and they're an encouragement for you. Uh, so many people have said to me that each day they felt like it was God speaking to them. Uh, for their day and I know that it'll be a blessing to you. You can do it with confidence. We don't do anything else with your number or ask you for any more detail. We simply want to become a part of encouraging you in your walk with God. So send in your yes, won't you? 
and uh, trust God for your life. As Michael has told us so powerfully about Michael, what a great journey thus far. Yeah. But I believe that the best is yet, yet to, to come. come. In Jesus' name. God bless you. See you around Thank you church. Again. God bless. Thank you, Michael. Thank you all.